Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I'm not, I'm not a depressed person. I've never suffered from depression. Very thankful for that. But some of the intrusive thoughts would be, well, you could kill yourself. Mm. And it's like, well... I don't want to, so there's no reason I'm going to. Um, But yeah, you could. Mm. And it's just that what if, like that's kind of, I think that's the source of all anxiety is what if. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. A podcast on your mental health you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen and this week I'm talking to Owen Nichols. He's the author of a new book called Love Unscripted. It's basically like a rom-com in a novel form. We're going to be chatting to him about that and also his own experiences with anxiety, imposter syndrome and dislocating his shoulder as well. It's about a projectionist whose name is Nick, and uh, it's kind of a dual timeline thing. So half of the book is set the night that he meets Ellie, and they fall in love. And basically, um, it's very much a kind of, that's almost the romance part of the novel. It's kind of like first love, that perfect like you don't know anybody's problems you don't know their faults so yeah, you just kind of, yeah everything's just perfect and then the rest of the book is set four years later when ellie moves out um and she moves out for a variety of reasons which we kind of learn as the book goes on yeah you don't need to spoil it i won't push for spoilers obviously this is a mental health podcast so yeah. how does mental health play a role in the book well um i suppose it's, it's kind of i wouldn't say nick is based on me but he certainly mm-hmm. has some elements of me yeah and um he has a lot of insecurities um they're sort of downplayed i'd say kind of in the book because it's quite a kind of uplifting read but they're there and i think they really sort of the role that they play is kind of showing that men have emotions 
more than anything, yeah. um, which is something that we don't kind of really speak about much, um, especially to other men. Yeah. Uh, somehow we find it quite easy to talk to women about our problems. Yeah, because you're like, women have feelings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I had a tweet from somebody today um, who'd read the like blurb on the front, which mm. is the prologue. And the prologue sets it up as um, that um, when Nick was younger, he liked this girl, took her to the cinema. No, a friend of his took a girl to the cinema mm. and told him all about this plan to kiss her. And, it was like, and Nick gets all kind of upset because he likes this girl, but also the, the plan he thinks is devious. Um, and the person who read it was like, oh, so does the woman end up with the other woman or the guy? And I was like, no, she's not, she's not a woman. She's a the, yeah. she's a guy that is like a guy, but because he's talking about feelings and kind of how much he likes this girl and how nice she is. And yeah. I think also because rom-coms, especially in like literature, they tend to be from the women and the men tend to be more like, silent brooding yeah. mysterious yeah so it's not it's yeah. still which is bizarre it's still unusual to have a guy actually openly talk about his feelings even in fiction yeah which is weird was that um scary for you in any way knowing that it's kind of based on you a tiny bit a tiny bit um well my my wife who i've only been married three weeks so saying wife oh, is kind congrats. of quite quite a kind of strange <laughs> thing. thank you very much um i kind of don't want to say my wife like adam buxton says my wife uh, i mean I'm, say I'm my wife kind of i love a wife guy not to say that <laughs> but, um yeah she says that uh, nick is me at my worst and ellie is me at my best <laughs> so it's kind That's of cool i think there's there's a nice kind of um yeah i have some of his insecurities but um yeah i can also keep it together when i need to good so yeah. how has mental health played a role in your life then my life um so before i wrote the book this was probably going back about three years i was working for a challenger bank as a copywriter i am um, just about to move into my first home we had our two-year-old boy with another baby on the way and i came up to london for a meeting about some scripts i'd written so I've basically been trying to be a screenwriter ever since I left university, so about 15 years now. And I had these two meetings back to back, and I'd obviously put so much pressure on them that at the end of the second meeting, I had what I can only describe as a major panic attack. Mm. I kind of had to leave the meeting as it was kind of going on and checked myself into the Soho walk-in centre, and they immediately rushed me into a room, hooked me up know to machines. Did what was going on? No, I had no idea. Okay. I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. I was like, this is just something's going on, and I don't know what it is. So they hooked me up to the machines, and they were kind of like, you're okay, but yeah, you are, basically. Your heartbeat is twice as much as it should be i was kind of okay okay um they calmed me down wonderful nhs sorted me out and said yeah go see your doctor over the next couple of days but after that incident i was kind of i had this just general like nothing's going to be okay again um just the experience of kind of going through it just left me a bit of a mess um luckily i had kind of great support network of parents and my now wife um to get me through it but it was a really kind of bad time and i started after that incident i had a lot of intrusive thoughts mm. so just they could be the tiniest little things but i just couldn't shake them they'd just play on repeat and repeat and repeat and obviously with a 
small baby <laughs> on the way sleep was an issue mm. and the more you kind of sleep is just so important I think just to kind of massively out. yeah so I made some massive changes I kind of cut out all caffeine um even chocolate chocolate is I know it's a ridiculous like I think there's a trace amount but something in my head psychosomatic just said you can't have chocolate because it'll send you over the edge and it's absolutely ridiculous i know it is but having cut it out along with the caffeine and the coke and you're changing my life <laughs> have you seen actually this is interesting is that there was a study last week that actually suggested i thought it was nonsense obviously that having um dark chocolate daily can actually reduce symptoms of depression depression yes no there's so dark chocolate cranberries turkey yeah yeah i tried all these things because yeah i think I, it's I, nonsense I, yeah. because medication is <laughs> yeah. much better but i was like okay i can do some dark chocolate like that's fine yeah but yeah. you've blown my mind i didn't realize there was caffeine in chocolate yeah yeah it's it's trace amounts so yeah. i don't think it actually affects my body yeah it probably wouldn't but my mind tells me it does yeah so whenever i kind of like maybe accidentally have some i'll be like oh no oh intrusive thoughts coming right, right, right. are you still uh, off caffeine entirely now completely yeah wow. no caffeine i don't drink anymore um again because that was kind of since when not drinking not drinking probably about two years so after the kind of big incident i had a kind of a few smaller ones and was just doing things to kind of get myself kind of back to where I'd feel comfortable. Mm. And so I made those changes. Drink, I drank at the wedding, but kind of only a tiny little bit. And again, like once the kids were out of the way, because <laughs> yeah. that's another thing. It's like the intrusive thoughts and the kind of being around the kids. It's like, I just need to have a clear head. Mm. And alcohol is one of those things that you know, will send. Makes it less clear. Exactly, exactly, yeah. What sort of intrusive thoughts are we having? Um, so they could be quite small, but some... <laughs> It would be things like um, there's something wrong with you. That, yeah. would, that would be the main one, especially after the, kind of the, the first panic attack. It was like, no, there's something wrong with you. It's not anything to do with your head. It's something to do with your body. You're obviously ill. Go to the doctors. They'll find it. And that was kind of playing over and over again. Um, but also things like, so I'm not, I'm not a depressed person. I've never suffered from depression. Very thankful for that. But some of the intrusive thoughts would be, well, you could kill yourself. Mm. It's like, well, I don't want to, so there's no reason I'm going to. Um, But yeah, you could. Mm. And it's just that what if, like that's kind of, I think that's the source of all anxiety is what if. But at the same time, I read a book called, I might be pronouncing this right, Steve Sussle. My age so. of anxiety. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not a depressed person. I've never suffered from depression. Depression. Very thankful for that. But some of the intrusive thoughts would be, well, you could kill yourself. Mm. It's like, well, I don't want to. So yeah. there's no reason I'm going to. Um, but yeah, you could. Mm. And it's just that what if? Like that's kind of. I think that's the source of all anxiety is what if. But at the same time, I read a book called by. Might be pronouncing this right. Steve Sussle, my age so. of anxiety. Yeah. Oh. Child runs out into the road. And some of those what ifs can be really helpful, but a lot of the time they're kind of yeah. not so great. How do you balance that then? Because I know actually when I went into therapy, they were like, you need to stop thinking about what could happen. But you, like you said, you need to do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. For work. Well, that's the same. The, the counselor kind of said, so the what ifs 
are like are they actually going to happen mm. that was that was a good one and it's kind of and in a lot of ways writing the book was an outlet for the what ifs yeah. like you kind of use them all up on on your characters um yeah so that actually writing and running and all the kind of silly changes i did to diets and things they were the three things that kind of got me to the place where i'm much more comfortable i wouldn't say kind of... what were the other silly things that you did oh so like <laughs> so like the cutting out the chocolate yeah. and kind of watching what i say spicy food because again Ooh. i think in the steve sossel book there's something about your gut yeah there's and a lot of brain and kind of like you know um yeah it's kind of let's go full um full like hippie logic but it's yeah it's valid like there's a lot of research into it at the moment yeah it's really interesting yeah the way that they kind of talk to each other is kind of I can't understand why from an evolutionary point of view, Same. but um, it does make sense because, yeah, a lot of the time... Yeah, it's if, very uh, trippy to think about. I just ha occasionally have kombucha. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's fine then. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's fine. Nothing if I take my it. vitamins, I'll be fine. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Um, okay, so that was the silly stuff you did. Yeah. What did you do that helped? So the silly stuff did help yeah but i think running that's mm. a huge thing so i've always kind of been a kind of part-time runner i've kind of just every now and again kind of put on running shoes and go out but then i joined park run so the saturday morning nine o'clock yeah 5k around the park and now i do one every week i'm lucky now that i can write that i don't have the office job so whenever i want to now i can kind of just go out into the country and have a have an hour long run which does wonders for not just um mental health but migraines as well you just get mm. terrible migraines and then i started running regularly and they just completely went away and then three weeks ago oh no born that um about a month and a half ago i dislocated my shoulder so i couldn't run and my, i got a migraine like the third day how like, did you dislocate your shoulder? Uh, I've dislocated my shoulder three times now. <laughs> yeah. How? The first time I fell down some stairs, um, I was, yeah, it was a February morning, slippy stone steps. And yeah. I went all the way down, like didn't hit a step on the way. It just went all the way down to the yeah. bottom. Uh, the second time I had my two-year-old on my back and I was kind of reaching around to kind of grab him because he was about to fall. And because it was in such an unnatural position, I grabbed him. Yeah. He sort of like took my arm with him. And then the third time, this about a month ago, I uh, tripped up the stairs and it was just like two steps. And I just put my arm out and it just went behind me. And That's very unlucky. Yeah. Well, once you do it once, it kind of, it, it, yeah, it, it can becomes a again. thing. But yeah, we're looking at... Um, an operation where they're going to take some bone out of my pelvis, which sounds horrible. That does sound horrible, especially like, for someone with like health anxiety. Yeah. Any yeah, kind of bone yeah. operation sounds scary. I had an scary. MRI scan the first time and I've got one in a week's time and they're not the nicest thing. Like, yeah. There's headphones on and just kind of shut your eyes. I had to go to A&E for the first time last week because I thought I broke my ankle, but I just sprained it. It was horrible. Yeah. It was so swollen. Just unpleasant yeah. it's horrible she won yeah um so i was drunk fell down some stairs um woke up the next morning my foot was like double the size it should be could not walk had to lean on my boyfriend and just kind of hop to a and e Ouch. and when i got there they were like you need a wheelchair <laughs> but it's fine now it's just painful i'm on lots of painkillers but oh. it's very embarrassing and also i think there's definitely what you're saying about not being able to run 
just not being able to do stuff really affects how you feel. Like the yeah. fact that I can't go to the gym or I can't like go out for a walk. Is that, yeah. I feel like purposeless. Well, it's I live terrible. out in, in Nor- Norfolk and was kind of out in the sticks so yeah. when the shoulder happened that was no running no driving as well so it's like really kind of housebound yeah, and trapped. that was after the kids had chicken pox for like back to back so oh, it's like God. i was literally just in my house for like two yeah. months you'll go stir crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you um because obviously also writing is quite a individual isolating thing yeah how do you make sure that you don't kind of go stir crazy or just alone with your intrusive thoughts when you're working when I'm working, it's kind of not so bad because I won't be thinking about me as much as I'll be thinking yeah. about the characters. Um, but I've also got some wonderful writer friends that I kind of can chat to and bounce emails off. And then there's family. And then because I'm a big cinema nut, I kind of always make sure I go out at least twice a week to the cinema. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stops me kind of getting into that loop of like isolation. And how do you motivate yourself to write? It used to be the job that I didn't really like. <laughs> that yeah. was kind of a big motivation. But I was never really a writer until my kids came along. Mm. I was like always pretending to be a writer. So I, I had did my undergrad at Canterbury and then did a master's in script writing at UEA. Mm-hmm. And all of that time I was kind of just like, oh, there's a Sunday afternoon. I'll do a little bit of writing. Mm. But when the kids came along, I was kind of, I don't really want them to see dad's so unhappy i think well, i've got to do something about this so every lunchtime at work and when they were asleep at home i'd do some writing and that's how the first book kind of came along that makes sense yeah. did you feel any kind of anxiety putting it out there um yes i did but i think the people behind it especially kind of my agent and my editor have just been so helpful that's good uh, uh, yeah exactly they've just kind of like put me at ease and once people start saying nice things about it it's kind of like okay this is actually not as bad as i probably thought yeah. it was halfway through writing it um and yeah there will be people who kind of don't like it and i kind of made my peace with that quite a while ago and it's kind of like hmm, kind of, yeah that's fine that's yeah, people just, don't like Shakespeare. Yeah, exactly. And he's yeah, still good. Yeah. There's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's always the biggest fear, though, like for anyone who's writing, it's just this is absolutely embarrassingly bad. And if I show it to anyone, they'll be like, yeah. what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, getting past that bit is an achievement. Thank you. Congrats. Well, there's a lot of friends that I kind of write with that mm. are at that stage where they kind of, they don't want to put it out and it's kind of like having been through the process now uh, i know that whatever you if you think it's perfect it will get slightly changed maybe it may be only a line or two here but don't get it like absolutely perfect because you'll probably be quite upset when those changes come in get it to a place where you're where it's a thing yeah then send it out and let other people judge it because you will be your own worst critic you'll you'll pick it apart until you never really get it out there. and That's good advice. And maybe if it isn't kind of where it should be, yeah. the people that you send it to will tell you and yeah. then you can get it to where it should And they be. can shape it into something much better. Yeah. But also, because uh, I don't want my editor or my agent to kill me, <laughs> get it as good as you yes. <laughs> want it to be. Don't just send off any old... Yeah, send dirt. ramblings to yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you can fix it. Yeah. It's fine, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Do you find writing helps 
with your mental well-being in general oh 100 percent. Yeah. yeah absolutely so i used to write uh, film scripts for a long time mm-hmm. and i had kind of modicum of success with them so i had a couple of things optioned and we get some very nice meetings where people were saying some nice things but that was tough because that was a lot of rejection mm-hmm. to get something made in either film or tv you need about 100 people to say yes so after kind of many 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 kickbacks and kind of many like just almost got my toe in the door but hasn't quite figured out um i thought i'm gonna write a book because then when i put it on the shelf i'll print it out myself i'll put it on the shelf then it's a thing and then while a script or a tv show needs to be made Mm. to actually kind of serve its purpose the book that's mine and i can put it on the shelf and i can send it to friends and they'll like it or they won't but they won't tell me um but at least it's like a finished thing and so i did that but then sent it to some places and they kind of liked it enough to kind of make it an actual book that will now be in bookshops and and going through that process has been nothing but good for my mental health that's good yeah how did you deal with the rejection bits the rejection bits they were really tough especially Mm -hmm. when i was kind of working a job that i liked the people but i didn't like the work um so it was yeah, it was tough. But I, I've always, I've sort of always had this feeling that even if I'm 90 years old, mm. I'll have something that I can kind of, I can, you can, the beauty of writing is that you can write forever. Like, you know, well, you know, yeah. within reason. Yes. Um, and I've always kind of had a, a bit of self-determination that I will, will get there. Mm. So the rejections are sort of part of it. I think you've, got to make your peace with them and and i'm really glad i got rejected for some things that i've written yeah like things okay, in the past like yeah good. i kind of think oh god if that had have been made yeah. that would have been awful and i'd always have that like around this is going back to the stuff that i was writing when i was like 16 17 it's kind of no but that's good that you can have that perspective because yeah. i think there are lots of things when i was 16 i'm like no that was really good <laughs> like, but you still got that, that in a drawer so you know yeah, somewhere yeah. i think on my old laptop actually yeah. i'll double check <laughs> um okay so that's how you deal with rejection and how you've kind of learned to be okay with it have you done that on your own or did you go through therapy or anything i went through therapy for the panic attacks yeah. and the anxiety but not for the rejection although we did talk a lot about kind of my writing and mm. kind of why I wanted to write and kind of what it meant to me to be a writer and and I think control kind of came up quite a lot and I think that was a massive kind of trigger for the anxiety especially that that first day because I was in this meeting and I thought oh this meeting might be the one that kind of puts me on my path to fortune and glory um and when it didn't work out I think it was kind of right that's that wasn't in my control so Mm. I just felt ugh, horrible and but I think you've got to make your peace with that that like control is such a funny thing because it's always life is about strange things happening all the time and if it was if you could control everything that happens to you it probably be quite boring mm, like extremely exactly yeah, yeah. that's interesting because you have gone into a field where you don't have a lot of control over everything people always talk about like the book industry sort of being quite 
slow and it takes a little while i was mm. like no it's not it's the fastest thing in the world like nine months ago i was in my office job and now i'm talking to you did about, you write with, it in nine months no no i wrote it kind of over the course of about a year and a half okay, but <laughs> to get from like sending it to an agent the agent liking it mm. her sending it well her giving me notes me writing those notes up then her sending it out to now that was yeah that was nine months which is just so super fast yeah. and then in film i had a screenplay option like about five years ago and the option kept kind of rolling over and nothing ever got made but it was just kind of that's how long it kind of took just to get it to some directors for them to say no nah, it's not really yeah what i want right now which could just completely destroy your confidence if you have it. <sighs> yeah yeah so. yeah yeah fun are you still in therapy now no no it's been about a year and a half since i had my last um session mm-hmm. um was it a bit closer no it'd be no actually it would be about nine months because i was kind of telling her the good news as i left so is that what made you decide to stop because you were like things are good yeah i think i think that yeah that was a massive factor it was kind of I thought I'll see how this next bit goes mm-hmm. and if it kind of goes all right then I won't go back and I'd never say I won't go back again because I think therapy is one of the best things in the world I think people should it should be well as free and available to yeah. anybody who gets it like I was very lucky that I was working in a fairly decent job where I could afford to go see a private counsellor mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of people have to wait for the NHS. Kind of, we wait in a very long time, and I think that's quite off-putting for some. But yeah, I'd say to anybody who needs help to go get it as quickly as you can because mm. it's just just talking about stuff just stops it being in your brain. It stops yes. it going on loop. It's having somewhere to just dump it. Yeah, like a lot of people talk about the stress bucket. Do yeah, you know about that. No. So it's like so everyone has a bucket. And you fill it with like stress or worries, etc. And then you have to imagine you have different taps to like let it out. So you could maybe for you it might be like writing as a tap, so I can let it out like that. Oh, or like nice. running is a tap, but also therapy is a tap. Yeah. Um, this is very like therapy talk, <laughs> um, <laughs> but essentially like it, it's just the idea that you have to have some kind of tap, or you're going to just overwhelm and your bucket will become incapable of holding anything else and you will have a breakdown. I think that is so. exactly what happened. Yeah, that's probably the case. Ago, yeah. Do you still have panic attacks now? No. Um, the last one I had would have probably been probably about before, before therapy. So I sometimes feel very anxious, especially kind of on public transport and stuff, but mm-hmm. nothing that's ever kind of got me to the stage where kind of shaking and needing to sit down and kind of nothing like that but genuinely think it's because of all the kind of things that i do to kind of get out like release the tap yeah. <laughs> so, yeah do you think also it helps that now you know what a panic attack is definitely so if it were yeah, to happen yeah, again yeah. it wouldn't be like i am dying yeah and it was it was very much health anxiety that was causing the panic attack so mm-hmm. for people to kind of turn around and say no it's not your body your body is fine um was a massive help yeah huge as long as you don't dislocate your shoulder again yeah 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 Yeah, that is not nice but you couldn't there's you're in so much pain that i don't think you could possibly worry about anything else yeah i would agree i think any problems or worries you have it's like i don't care my ankle (laughs) or my shoulder is just in so much pain it's fine 
kind of puts things into perspective. <laughs> exactly. affected by any of the issues we've discussed today please contact the samaritans on 116 123 or go to their website at samaritans.org if you enjoyed this episode please give us a rate and review on itunes and come join us on facebook we have a group called mentally yours we're also on twitter mentally yrs thanks very much to our producer sam bonham juliet nichols and to lucy baker for the jingles see you next week catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.